Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. This is the question we're concerned with this morning. There are many different lessons we take from this passage, but the one we're concerned with this morning is the issue of what do we do with our past? What should we do with our past? Uh, there are a lot of opinions floating around today on, on what you should do with your past. But I love what the Lord teaches us here in this passage about this man who comes to Jesus. The Bible says he's a leper. So starting in verse 40, reading through verse 45, follow along in your copy of the Scriptures with me. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in the unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We ask that you give it success in our hearts and our minds. Lord, this morning, whatever work it has to do, let it pierce deeply. Let it do its work. God, cause your Holy Spirit to stir in this place. That we would be changed as individuals, as families, and as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage is very interesting to me. Because there's a, there's a glaringly obvious truth to this entire passage that many times we ignore. And as a matter of fact, I've got to kind of ignore it this morning because it's not really the main issue in the grand narrative of Scripture. But it's the fact that this man disobeys Jesus, doesn't he? Jesus tells him, don't tell anybody. And what does he do? He does what the apostles did when the apostles were on trial before the Roman governor in Judea. We cannot stop telling people about what Jesus has done for us. Isn't that an exciting thing? When someone gets so gripped with what Jesus has done for them that they cannot stop telling their friends and family. But that's what this guy does. Jesus tells him, don't tell anybody. Well, why in the world would Jesus heal him knowing that this man could not keep something in like this? Why would Jesus heal him if he was going to go out and blabber it to everybody in the world? Jesus even says himself, he didn't come to heal. He didn't come to cast out demons or heal the sick. That's not why he came. He came to what? Do the Father's will. He came to pay the price for our sins. As a matter of fact, when he performs miracles, he does these things so that people will understand he has what? Remember? Authority. So that you know that I have the authority to save you from your sins, to wipe your slate clean, and to forgive you forever. I will heal this person. I will cast this demon out. I will still the waves of the storm. That's not the, 
The point is not that Jesus can still the waves in your life, so to speak. That's not the point. The point is that he deals with the most significant issue that all of us have in our life. And that is, you only have one life to live. And then you die. But all of us know deep down in our heart, in our soul, that we are a soul. We are more than what we see in the mirror every day. Aren't you glad? Who I am. No, there's more to life than, the, than, than just the dates that are going to be on your tombstone. The first one and the last one. There's more to life than that. You are a soul. You have an everlasting existence. There will be life after death. And what you do in this life matters. It matters. And so that's why verse 40 through 45, even though this glaringly obvious fact that this man completely disobeys Jesus and does what Jesus told him not to. Jesus says, don't say anything to anybody. He goes out and he does it. This is the point of this passage. The point of this passage is the change in this man's life. From here on out, he's no longer a leper. He, he thinks about his past. And the first thing that he does when he comes to Jesus, the Bible says here in verse 40 and 41, a leper came to him beseeching him. He's not just, I want to get in the same room with Jesus. Maybe some of that Jesus stuff will wear off on me. I've seen my friends, you know, hanging around with Jesus. No, he, he comes to Jesus and he beseeches him. That's not something we see or we, we use every day, right? We don't beseech people. We do, but we don't use that word. He came to Jesus begging him. He, he, he makes a beeline for Christ. He gets to him, falling on his knees before him. He says this, if you are willing, listen to what he says, you can make me clean. He believes something about Jesus. And it's this, that Jesus can change the trajectory of his life. He believes that. He believes that his history can change, his story can change if Jesus wills it, if Jesus wants it to change. Otherwise, nothing's going to change in this man's life. He's tried everything. As a matter of fact, there were certain places that only lepers, that, that lepers, that lepers can go back then. They had little colonies, little places. And they would have to say to people as they walked by, what? You may have heard the stories. Unclean. Unclean. Stay away from me. How would you like for that to be the mantra of your life? Don't come near me. Don't come near me. Say to your loved ones, say to your friends, you can't come near me anymore. That was, going to be, that was going to be his story for the rest of his life. So when people thought about his background, what's your history, what's your past? Unclean. That's my past. Unclean. That's my present, and that's probably going to be my future. Unclean. 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 He comes to Jesus. He knows Jesus can make a difference. And so he says to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus is moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand, he touched him, and he says, I am willing, be cleansed. Here we see the, the pre-existent Word of God at the beginning with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, how does God create? He what? Let it be. There was nothing, and then he spoke, 
and then there was something. That's how, that's how God operates. That's how He's operated from the very beginning. He doesn't use pre-existent matter. That's how we make stuff today. We use stuff, right? We use things. We build stuff. But everything that we use, we borrow from God. He spoke it into existence out of nothing. He didn't borrow from anyone because of who He is necessarily. He is God. He's the author and perfecter. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. There was nothing before God. God is the unmoved mover, the uncaused cause. He must be because He's God. That's what it means to be God. I think of the way that we talk about God in philosophy when I think about this passage and when I think about this man's past and also your own past and my own past. I want you to think about this, this principle and it's this. That changing your past is impossible. Because of who you are, necessarily, as a human being. Changing your past is impossible. Why? Because you are finite. God is infinite, but you and I are finite beings. We have been brought into existence by God's will. We live on this earth, but there are certain things we cannot do. We can't do. So if your mom and dad told you, you can be anything you want to when you grow up. Wrong. You can't. You can't be sinless. You can't be perfect. Can you? And you also can't change your past. Ever. Because of who you are. When we talk about God, that God is the first cause, the unmoved mover, and we talk about changing your past, it is not in your nature to change your past. It is actually logically impossible for you to change your past. Very much like the so-called conundrum where people ask the question, can God create a rock that is so heavy or so large that even He can't lift it? It feels like a conundrum, right? Can God do that? Can He? So we're talking about His potential. Because in the Christian worldview, we believe the Bible says God is all potential. That is, He can do anything He wants to do. Right? So the philosophical conundrum is, well, can he create a God, I mean, create a stone or a rock that even he can't lift? Ah, we got you, Christian. Theist. Because if you say, no, he, he can't create a rock that he can't lift because he can lift everything. Well, we're saying he can't create something. Oh, okay, well, then he can. Oh, so he's unable to lift certain rocks. In the real world, God, by definition is all-powerful, doesn't lack anything. So there does not exist in the real world a stone, a rock, that could be created by God and not lifted by God. It doesn't exist. It's nonsensical. Okay, So it's not a conundrum. In the same way that it is impossible for those things to be, it is impossible for you to change your past. You can't. It's not because you don't have the power or the wisdom to do it. It is logically impossible. In the real world, you cannot turn back the sands of time. You can't reverse time. You live and I live in the here and now. And there's nothing you can do about your past. It is not within you. So forget it. Forget trying. Now, we're not beings who can change the past, but we are beings who can walk circumspectly and live responsibly in the present. This is what the Word of God tells us. 
and urges us to do, to walk by the Spirit. The New Testament is rife with appeals to live by the Spirit and deny the flesh. To walk in light of God's Word. Turn over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll see just a taste. We'll get just a taste of what the New Testament says and how God describes this. As the Apostle Paul encourages the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and no silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, notice past, but now, present, you are light in the Lord. Walk, future, and now as children of light. For the fruit of the light uh, uh, consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And then he says further, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Making the most of your time. What time is that? Now. You can no longer make the most of yesterday. It's gone. Grieve it. Forget about it. Now move on. Live in the moment. Live today. Be careful how you walk. Make the most of your time now. Now is the time that you have. You are a steward of your time today, but you do not have what it takes to change your past. Can you accept that? It's hard to accept, isn't it? When we think about our past. This leper comes to Jesus. Can he change my past? Nope. But he can change my future. I believe he can. If he's willing, he can change my future. The old hymn writer wrote, Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone can cleanse the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. This was the heart of this leper. Changing your past is impossible because you are finite. But God can do it. And He does do it through Jesus. Number two, changing your past is unpreferable. Now, let me give just a disclaimer about that point. Changing your past is unpreferable. That is that even though most of the time when we think about 
things that have happened in your, in your past and my past, we think, man, I, if I could go back, I, I would do things differently. I would make some changes. I, I, I wish that things were different. I wish things didn't happen to me that way. I, I wanted to give a disclaimer. Even though we're saying that changing your past is unpreferable, we don't want to minimize the painful experiences and the memories of our past, nor ignore the possible traumas that we've experienced from past events. You may wonder, why has this happened to me, or why did God bring this into my life? And I wish I could answer that question for you, but I can't. I don't know why your past has been so painful, if you've had a painful past, or why the Lord has allowed you to go through so much trouble. But I do know that He promises to be with you when you go through it. The psalmist says, Though I walk through the valley, that is in the present, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thou art with me. Once we learn of the Via Dolorosa, the painful walk up to Calvary's cross that Jesus made with His back torn to shreds, bleeding, with a crown of thorns shoved upon the crown of His head, bleeding, having sweat drops of blood nights before, just moments before. Once we learn of the way of the cross that Jesus took, how He would be crucified, then we can be comforted that He indeed has walked a mile in our shoes. He knows what it's like to be me. He knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to have lived with your past and to experience the things that you've experienced. He knows what it's like to experience pain. He knows what it's like to experience suffering and loss and discouragement and abandonment. And disappointment. He knows what it's like. We must also realize that without the cross, there would be no victory. There would be no death. Burial and resurrection, ascension, victory over our sin and over the grave. Without a sacrifice, there would be no salvation. If Jesus hadn't suffered on the way to the cross and at the cross, we would have no hope. And while visions of Jesus' wrongful execution bring tears of sadness and tears of regret to our faces, they also bring tears of joy and jubilation, don't they? As Peter proclaimed to the crowds in 
Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 in his famous sermon. He said that Jesus, this Jesus whom you crucified, was nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men. But only after he was delivered up, Peter says, by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. This leprous man in Mark's Gospel knew the significance of his past and how it could impact the people around him. He had a story to tell, unlike anyone else. He knew the significance of the pain in his past and he related it to those who experienced the same thing in the present. He's been delivered. He's been saved. He's been changed. And he didn't just say, See you later. Been nice knowing you. He, he used that pain. He looked back at those things. He said, maybe, maybe, just maybe God had a purpose in my past. Just maybe God had a plan. And He wants to use me in someone else's life. I believe that many times we want to change our past. We, we want to go back and right all the wrongs. We want to save all the losses. We, we want to change things. But listen, know this. God in His infinite wisdom, and I don't know why, I can't answer this for you. But whatever, for whatever reason, God has decided to take you through things that other people in this room have never been through. Other people in your life maybe have never been through. God has chosen to do that in His love and wisdom and you never went through it alone. He was with you all the time. And though you can't explain why, and though you want to go back and change things, changing your past is not preferable for the Christian. It's not to be preferred. You don't have it within you to change your past. And God doesn't want you to change your past. He wants you to learn from the events of your past. And I don't mean learn how to be a better person, learn lessons. I just mean learn about who you are and who God is and who He's made you into and who you were then and who you are now and who He was then and how you've seen Him walk even closer to you today. You can't change your past. It's not within you. It's not preferable to do so. So if you can't change your past, and you shouldn't try to change your past, then what can you do? What can we do? What should we do with our past? Number one, you can learn from it. You can learn from it. You can learn to recognize God's hand in things. How does God work? What kind of person am I today? What kind of person was I then? How did God use instruments of grace in my life? Other people. How can I be that type of person? 
We learn a lot about ourselves. The leprous man learned about himself. As we continue down, verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, verse 43 says, Jesus sternly warned him and sent him away. But verse 44, he says to him specifically, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. This is from Leviticus 14. Jesus is not, in, remember, he's not nullifying the law, he's fulfilling the law. And he says to this man, do what you're supposed to do. Now is not the time for everyone to know that I'm the Messiah. It's not time for me to go to the cross yet. Verse 45, but he went out. He went out anyway. Began to proclaim it freely to spread the news. To go and tell people. I wonder, what... What would most people do in this situation? Why did he tell people? For many different reasons, maybe. Maybe he's never been able to be around people, and now he can. And they look at him and say, What are you doing? I'm clean now. What? Yeah, this is what happened. Maybe people are demanding proof. Prove it. Prove it before you come into our house. Before you come close to me. He can't help but tell what Jesus has done because he wants to be around his family, around people that he knows so much. Who knows? But he cannot stop telling people about what Jesus has done for him. He knows he has a past. He doesn't care. How many of you love antiques? Anybody like antiques? Yeah? I've been in some of your homes. I've seen some antiques. We have some antiques at our house. Antiques, old stuff. I, I always, when I see something old and somebody tells me about its story and I'm holding it, if it's something they'll let me hold, you know? Hey, put that in your hand. Wow, that's, that's old. I always like to imagine where it has been. Have you ever done that? Like, who else has touched this? Like, where else has it been? I love that. Things of the past. The leprous man knew the significance of his past and how it could impact the people around him. When we think about antiques, when we think about old things, I wonder, where have they been? Little pieces, little whatever it is. It's aged. It has cuts and nicks and marks of time. Those things are beautiful flaws. Beautiful things to the Lord. And not only to the Lord, but to other people. Your past is the same. Though you might want to change it. It's beautiful. It's part of who you are, and it means something. Paul said this, talking about himself, in 1 Timothy 1.12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. 
Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant and the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost of all. And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. God has a plan for your past. You can learn from it. Others can learn from it. You can help others who share it. What is your past? What is in your past? And then finally and lastly, you can write new history today. That's what you can do with your past. Knowing what you know. That you are a finite human being. And you cannot change history. Nor does God want you to try to change your past. It's not preferable to change your past. Knowing that, you can help write new history for other people. For the people around you. You can be a difference maker today. Sometimes we're so focused on the past that we fail to make an impact and a difference today because we're so focused. We're looking in the rear view. Listen, you better start living with intentionality because you are making history every single second. And the time clock is ticking. It's ticking every moment. No pressure. But it's ticking. It's ticking now. Right now. That's why the Word of God says, make the most of your time, Christian, because the days are evil. You cannot set the days of your life on autopilot and say, everything's going to be heavenly tomorrow. The world that we live in is evil. And it's on autopilot for evil. And we have to be good stewards of today. We have to be intentional for today. Time is ticking. You can help create a better past for others in your future. You do have that within you. Every decision you make today is formative for another person's past. Now, let's not be naive. Don't be so naive, especially parents. A disclaimer, don't be so naive to think that you can make a difference today that you're son or daughter or young people in this generation are going to look back and go, man, we are 100% appreciative of what they did. They were just rock solid perfect. No! Why? You can make a difference. You can be a good steward. You can leverage everything you have for the glory of God for the next generation. But you can't control how your difference will be received or applied by future generations. That's also not in your power. And if you want clarification on that, go home today after you eat lunch and read the book of Ecclesiastes. Man who had everything life had to offer. All the riches, all the fame, all the glory, all the power 
said this in the end. Life stinks because you can't take it with you. The best thing you can do is to be happy in the work that God has given you to do that you can glorify Him with it. As far as His human existence is concerned, that's the limitation. But He looked, he looked on to a Redeemer who is going to actually make life worth living. And who's going to fulfill all the promises of God in the future. But listen, don't be naive. And I don't believe that you are. But though you can make a difference and steward your influence today, future generations are not going to appreciate you very much. And I would venture to say, if you hope someone makes a statue of you, you're so awesome, just wait a couple hundred years. Somebody will spray paint it, tear it down, and chop your head off. It'll happen. You can't guarantee that. You, you can't guarantee that your impact and that your stewardship will be appreciated. It's a stewardship to the Lord. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as unto who? As unto the Lord. What eternal impact did the leper's testimony make? And we'll never know. He, he actually disobeyed Jesus, but word got around so much of the world heard about Jesus that the Bible says here in verse 45, Jesus couldn't publicly go into the big cities anymore. He couldn't enter town at 1 o'clock in the afternoon after lunch with His disciples anymore and not be noticed or recognized. He had to go into the smaller cities where He had to sneak into the larger cities because of this man's impact in the large cities. Now this man did his part to spread the fame of Jesus, even though that's not what Jesus wanted at the time. He did his part, but he had no control over what the people did with his testimony about Jesus. We might look back at this and go, wow, he told everybody about Jesus, and so why did they crucify him? He can testify of Jesus, but he cannot control how people are going to receive Him. Jesus saved me. He, he cleansed me from my illness. It's the best He could do. How do your friends and family receive Christ? You can testify of the difference that He's made in your life, but it doesn't guarantee that they will receive Him. You don't have control over that. Some of you this morning need to avail yourself of that burden today. That you don't have control of how other people that you love and who you want to see come to the Lord, you don't have control. That is not within you. You are a finite being. You cannot control that. You need to avail yourself of that burden today. That you can't control it. You can't control that any more than you can control or change your past. You may think that doing your part in writing someone else's past means controlling their decisions. It doesn't. You can't control them. You may get the blame for their decisions later on. But it's not your responsibility. I hope that your trust in the Lord and what God has done in your past and what He's going to do today and what He's going to do in your future those around you, 
I hope that his word encourages you and challenges you today. Do you need to let go of some things? I'm convinced that some of you this morning need to let go of some things in your past. You may need to let go of some control right now, thinking about others in your life. And just surrender some of that control to Jesus this morning. To let go. To trust Him and maybe just to spend some time this morning giving Him thanks, though your past is, you, you would never wish it on anyone. You need to thank Him today. You need to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for walking with me through that dark, cold valley that at the time I didn't know you were in. Maybe you've said some things or thought some things just about the Lord that you just need to confess to Him today. Say, Lord, I, I confess to You. I, I've been wondering what, what You're doing. I've been questioning Your faithfulness. Would you just confess that to Him today and say, Lord, I believe You are good. And I trust You. You might be here today and you've, you've never trusted Him. You've never in a moment of your life bowed your knee to Him and said, Lord, I'm giving you, I give you my life. I trust you. I believe in you. And you need to do that today. Would you do it? Would you trust Him? The old hymn says, Come every soul by sin oppressed. There is mercy with the Lord. Hope you believe that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we